so hi guys i hope you enjoyed your time off of this podcast and i really hope that you had a good time and i understand if like you're disappointed in me because i had a really long hiatus and it was really because i was kind of busy with the things i was doing i had exams i had studies and uh well i really wanted to take a break for myself and figure what i like what i don't i had to give some exams like for getting selected in the things that i like and what exams were those i won't reveal because i'm a person who is very secretive and i like my anonymity uh, but i guess most of you will obviously know because most of you are my friends and you have come here by uh, i don't know i just post stories about whenever the podcast episodes are released so i don't know but maybe if you're somebody else you yeah i'm a very secretive person when we initially meet but like i can open up uh sometimes ago like sometimes after we meet and all that stuff but uh that things aside uh today's episode is going to be a very special episode because i have handpicked it from my own hands obviously i'll pick it from my own hands but like this episode has been handpicked by me and i'll just warn you that this episode contains open depictions of scenes like surgery blood gore voodoo magic witchcraft etc 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 so if you don't like that stuff just go off and do something better with your life right now but if you like that stuff you can stay here and enjoy with me the essence of this episode and before we start on this episode is called transfigured and it's written by tim sprague and if you want to read it you can just google the name transfigured by tim sprague and it will just pop up on google so you can read it anywhere i am doing the narration i am not the original author of any of the urban legends that i narrate i'm just a narrator on this podcast i narrate urban legend and true crime stories the authors have their own credits so please don't get uh, like misunderstood that i write these stories i don't i'm just a narrator a very simple narrator who is uh, narrating these stories because i have a hobby and i am really trying to get over my social anxiety and shyness on microphone so yeah there might be some faults there might be some like stutters and all that but i think i'm going to do my best cuz i will try to do my best and without getting any further uh, you know on the side tracks from the topic let's just get started transfigured by tim sprague he sits alone in a dark room the only light coming from the bulb above his work table on the table sits a head it was with great care that he had removed it from the body's neck making sure not to cause any damage to it the skin and muscle had put up little resistance against the knife it had been the bone that had slowed the work it would have been so much simpler to saw through this spine but he isn't interested in simplicity it is precision and yes perfection that he's after there can be no flaws in his art he used a small pick and chisel to disconnect the skull from the spine the process had been agonizingly slow but it had been worth it the head that sits on the work table is pristine 
Plucking a scalpel from a small glass jar filled halfway with fluid, he carefully examines it to make sure that the blade is sharp enough to meet his standards. He nods to himself in satisfaction. He always makes it a point to keep his instruments in working order, but it never hurts to make a final check before beginning the more delicate steps of the process. Placing the tip of the scalpel at the very edge of the hairline, he pushes just hard enough for the blade to penetrate through the skin. There was a time that he would have likely scraped the bone underneath, but he has come a long way since those early days and he knows exactly how much pressure to apply and where to apply. With a steady hand, he cuts an incision that follows along the hairline. He stops to rotate the head slightly after every inch to ensure that the line is as accurate as possible. The scalpel finally reaches the point that he had started at. He places the instrument back to Jajar. The drops of blood that had formed on it swarm throughout the fluid, turning the clear liquid a light pink. He uses a clean drag to dab away the small amount of blood around the incision. He had drained most of it out of the body before he had begun, but it's impossible to get all of it. He takes a tuft of hair in each hand and carefully pulls up. The disconnected portion of skin slides away from the rest of the field with a sucking sound exposing the top of the skull. He replaces the scalp into a plastic tray before picking up a drill. The bit at the end of the drill is extremely fine. The holes it makes as it bows into the skull are barely visible. He drills a dozen of the holes around the exposed bone before setting the tool back down. He leans and examines his work to make sure that each hole is right where it needs to be. He opens a small box at the end of the work table and takes out a long wire with a loop at each end. The wire is jagged with hundreds of razor points along its length. The tool is a jiggly saw, a surgical instrument designed to cut through the bone with extreme precision. He slips the wire through the holes and moves it back and forth, pulling just hard enough for it to penetrate and tear at the bone. The cuts are smooth and straight as they connect the holes together. Finishing the task, he returns the saw to its case and closes the lid. The top of the skull comes off without any resistance. A few quick cuts with a knife shears away the three layers of tissue below the bone level. The brain is now exposed and he stares at it in disgust. Like the other body organs, he considered it to be useless. It is merely a lump of tissue. It cannot be carved or repurposed, and it only gets in the way of his work. Using the scalpel, he severs the nerve fibers attaching it to the eyes. He once again places the tool in the jar before lifting the brain and the attached brain stem out of the cranial cavity. He drops the organ into a trash bag without giving it a second thought before sliding the eyes out of the sockets. It takes a few minutes for him to clear out the fluid from inside the cavity. He uses a small cotton pad to wipe the bone clean, making sure to get it completely dry. He always finds this part of the process to be relaxing, even soothing. He often wonders if other artists feel the same way as they set up a new canvas on an easel or clear debris off of a flesh block of stone. It is ritualistic and there is comfort in that ritual. Using a tiny chisel and hammer, he begins the long process of carving intricate series of symbols and designs on the inside of skull. He is not naturally gifted as a scrimshander 
and it has only been through intense practice over many years that he has been still able to get his skills up to a level that he is satisfied with still this is only the part of the process that he dislikes if his hands slip even a fraction of a centimeter the entire project will be ruined and he will have to start again with a new subject his fingers are throbbing as he finishes connecting the lines of the final design bringing the head up closer to his face he lightly blows away the flakes of bone that have gathered at the bottom of the skull he plucks a jeweler's loop off of a hook on the pegboard hanging beyond the work table and holds it up to his right eye he examines every single line that he has carved to ensure that they are perfect the work is satisfactory using a strong adhesive from a tiny white bottle he reattaches the top of the skull to the head he waits patiently as the adhesive dries with the bone locked once again in place he uses the same substance to glue the removed scalp back over it making sure to return it to the exact position it had been in when he had cut it off he lays the head down on the work table so that the face is pointed up towards the light now that it has been prepared the real work can begin for a third time he picks up the scalpel the tip gleaming in the light using the point he cuts a line from the right corner of the mouth it runs down over the edges of the chin and across the underside of the jaw when he reaches the section where the neck had originally been attached he goes back to the lips and does the same thing down the left side with the guidelines cut he exchanges the scalpel for a saw it is roughly the length of his forearm and the teeth are straight and sharp he follows the lines that he cut being sure to apply enough pressure for the saw to grind through the jaw bone the trickiest part as always is getting it past the gums in such a way as to not damage the teeth outside of the cutting area one final push of the saw makes it through the flesh and the bone and into the neck hole keeping one hand on the forehead he grips the detached section of the face with the other and pulls it breaks free of the skull with a sound like twigs snapping the tongue flops down through the new opening and onto the work table with a wet thump he puts the rectangular portion of the removed face into a bucket before cutting the tongue free from the hyoid bone and placing it into the same trash bag he had used for the brain he clears the tools he had been using from the work table and stands up from his stool the room is dark but he knows exactly where each item he needs is located He shuffles away from the light on his long thin legs and disappears into the gloom. When he returns a few minutes later, he places four items on the side of the work table. A jar filled with greyish white orbs floating in a sickly brown fluid, a shoe box, a cup holding thick bolts and nuts, and a heavy hand crank drill. He sits back down on his stool with a sigh. He removes the lid of the shoe box and pulls it towards him. Inside the box is a large block of wood. It is solid oak and it feels smooth to the touch as he removes it from the cardboard box. Setting it down on the work table, he takes a black case of the pegboard and opens it. Inside are a wide variety of woodworking tools. He lays them out one at a time in a neat line in front of him. Over the next hour, he skillfully carves the block of wood. 
He works very quickly as he cuts and shapes the oak. He doesn't take his eyes off even when he switches tools. There is no need. The frenzy of the activity finally slows down before eventually stopping. In his hands is a perfect wooden replica of the section of head that he had removed. Every detail is exact right down to the chip in the lower right cuspid tooth and the small scar on the chin. Nodding to himself, he rubs down the finished work with a piece of sandpaper to remove any remaining shards or splinters. He inserts the wooden replica into the hole in the bottom of the head and aligns it properly. The next step is to drill two bolts into the head through the cheeks, one on each side. The old hand crank drill squeaks as he applies pressure and turns it. The bolts turn clockwise and cut down through the layer of skin then into the muscle. There is a loud crack as it pushes through the bone. There is more resistance now as it pushes into the wooden replica. But as soon as he has the bolt in place, he repeats the process on the other side of the face. He is almost finished. He unscrews the lid of the jar and takes one of the orbs out of the thick liquid. He holds the preserved eye in his palm and examines it. Normally, when a person dies, the cornea of the eye clouds over after an hour or two, taking away that spark of life that not even the best artificial eyes can duplicate. The eye then becomes flaccid before eventually decaying away. Using just the right chemical mixture, however, he is able to preserve the eyes. The solution he has created hardens them into rock-like consistency while never allowing them to lose that spark. The indescribable something that makes them seem alive. It had taken him a long time to work out the mixture, but the end result is worth it. Being careful not to scratch the preserved eye, he places it into the eye's open right socket. He makes sure that it's facing straight ahead before taking another one of the jar and pushing it into the left eye socket. Once the head is finished, he feels a sense of satisfaction as he sits up and looks down at the result of his efforts. He reaches out into the darkness behind him and pulls out a beaded chain. A second light bulb hanging from the ceiling comes to life, illuminating another section of the room. There is one last task left to perform. In the center of the light, supported by a tall metal pole, is the body the head was originally attached to. He has already taken care of the necessary alterations. The body is now a combination of biological and wooden parts. The hands and feet are flesh and bones, but the fingers and toes are the same oak as the lower mouth and jaw. The elbows and knees have been replaced by wooden counterparts. The connection between the waist and spine has been completely rebuilt. Every joint is replaced with bolts and hinges. The result is that every movable part of the body can now swing in any direction. He has in a sense created a human marionette. It is dressed in a fine Italian suit with a small red flower in the coat lapel. He slides the head onto the top of the spine and bolts it on. There is a loud click as it locks in place. He brushes a stray bit of string off the shoulder before narrowing his eyes. Live, he says in a voice that sounds like he's breathing the word instead of speaking it. The eyes turn slowly in their sockets and focus on him. The new wooden mouth opens and closes on its hinges as if the creature is trying to speak but cannot. 
He reaches around the body and releases the hook attaching it to the metal pole. It remains silent as it watches him. Almost before he is able to release the final hook, the door to the room opens. Warm yellow light from the hallway streams in and he turns towards it. A short silhouette stands in the doorway, one hand on the frame. Is my new doll ready, Papa? The girl asks politely. It is indeed, he replies with a wide smile. I just finished. What do you think of it, child? Oh, it's wonderful, she exclaims, coming into the room to get a better look. I love it. Thank you, Papa. You are very welcome. What will you name him? I think I'll call him Mr. Dobbs. Is that a good name? It's a splendid one. Why don't you take him to meet the others? Yes, Papa. We were just about to have a tea party. Come along, Mr. Dobbs. The creature takes a step towards the girl obediently. It walks oddly on its hinged legs, like a figure from an old stop-motion animation film. She holds out her hand to it, and it gently takes it. They start to leave the room when the girl looks back over her shoulder. Papa, she asks. Yes, child, he answers. If you make another doll, can it be a girl? I've only got one of those and quite a few boys. The puppeteer nods, his grin widening. Of course, I know just the one, he says. This was Transfigured by Tim Sprague. And this is your host back again. So this outro segment for this episode will be particularly longer because I'll be explaining the changes I have decided to do to the podcast. Now, I have changed the name of the podcast from The Ship of Knowledge and Fear to Chills with Shri because I personally thought it was unethical to me about like you know, telling people about mythologies when I am an atheist myself. So I decided that I like to talk about horror stuff like uh, urban legends, uh, scary stories and true crime if I find some good cases that are worth sharing with you all. And that is why I did it. And I mean, I had my hands in the waters of mythology, but it was just touching the surface of the ocean. And moreover, I just found it unethical because I am an atheist personally and I should not preach to anybody about mythology because uh, I find it unethical myself. I don't know what you think. Tell me what you think. But like there is one thing for sure. I'm not bringing mythology back to this podcast because um, yeah, I'm just not. So yeah, this is it. These are the changes I'm making this podcast purely horror ori- oriented and um Yeah, I'll try not to stutter as much during these sessions. But like, this is not the main section of the podcast. So I can stutter as much as I want. And um, so, you know, I have a very little knowledge of mythology. And like, there are a lot of reasons why I could just fuck up talking about mythology. But there are no reason, there is no such reason why I cannot fuck up talking about urban legends. Because they are like, um, you know, they are just urban legends i cannot fuck up nobody can fuck up talking about urban legends and true crime and all that other things so i was about to gonna say shit but like yeah talking about other shit so yeah just i i hope you understand what i'm trying to you know say here and i hope you are tuned for the next episode and i will be back soon 
or at least i'll try okay <laughs> okay like i i have lot of shit to do and yeah cuz yeah i just do have a lot of shit to do and i guess stay tuned and i'll see you on the next episode hit me up on my instagram if you need anything i'll just uh, put my link down in the description of this podcast i'll just try to put my username down i guess so and that that will update every time i change my insta id so don't worry whatever episode you're on you can just go to the description uh get my instagram and just hit me up there like and talk to me about anything you want like i'm pretty much open on instagram so yeah just do that and i hope stay tuned for the next episode and i take your leave see you bloodlings on the next episode of this podcast chills with shri this is your host signing out goodbye sayonara namaste